are currently in a series called Good News. Say good news. Oh, wow, that was so good. Amen. Keep that up. Amen. You know, with all of the bad news we are hearing, I thought it would be refreshing to hear some good news. Well, last Sunday, I made four statements about the bad news. Uh, First of all, I said that the bad news is exaggerated. Uh, Things tend to get blown out of proportion. Uh, I said that the bad news is exploited. Uh, People exaggerate the bad news so that they can exploit others because, because here's the truth, fear sells. And fear is easily marketed. I also said that the bad news is exhausting. You know, when bad news follows bad news that follows bad news, it can wear you out. The fourth statement that I made was, and that is the bad news is exposed. And and so last Sunday, I exposed the bad news with these three statements. The first statement I made was, the bad news is not all bad. Yeah, the bad news is not all bad. God can help us get some good out of the bad. Also, the second thing I said was the bad news can make you better. It can make you better. See, it's often the lessons that we learn in the hard times that helps grow us, mature us, helps knock off some of our rough edges. Finally, I said the bad news can bring us closer to our Lord. Bad news can drive us to our knees, and as that drives us to, uh, into, uh, to our knees, that drives us into the presence of the Lord. Let me encourage you, if you have not heard this message, I encourage you to go online and listen to it. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Well, today I want to continue our series by making six statements about the good news. Six statements about the good news. The first statement that I want to make about the good news is this. Don't expect the good news to come automatically. Don't expect the good news to come automatically. Jesus never promised to make your life easy or to hand you everything you ever wanted on a silver platter. You cannot find that promise in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 24 says, work hard and you'll become a leader. But if you're lazy, you'll become a slave. And Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. See, see, people often look at others and, and envy their position or they become jealous of their possessions, but they have absolutely no clue about how much effort or how much sacrifice it took them to get where they are and to have what they have. Here's what I've learned. Good things seem to happen to people who make good decisions. Would you agree with that? Yeah, good things seem to happen to people who make good decisions. Now, now I understand that bad things happen to good people sometimes. I, I, I know that. I understand that. But I also know that we can set ourselves up for good things to happen to us. We do this by making good, wise, strategic decisions. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 8 says, The wise understand where they are going. And verse 15 of Proverbs 14 says, Only simpletons believe everything they're told. The wise carefully consider their steps. 
So don't expect good things to come automatically. Set yourself up for good things to happen to you by making good decisions. Don't just fly by the seat of your pants and then expect good news to come knocking on your door. Do the work. Say do the work. Do the work. Put in the time. Pay your dues. Write this down this morning. Become competent. Become confident. Become committed. And become consistent. Do these four things. Become competent. Become confident. Become committed. And become consistent. If you will do these four things, good things will start happening to you. Good news will begin to knock on your door. The first thing I want to say about good news this morning is this. Don't expect good news to come automatically. The second thing I want to say about good news is this. Don't fail to examine the good news. Don't fail to examine the good news. Proverbs 13 and 16 says, wise people think before they act. Here's the thing. Sometimes what appears to be good isn't quite as good as it appeared at first. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, sometimes what appears to be good isn't quite as good as it appeared at first. Proverbs 14, verse number 12 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. So, so don't fail to examine the good news because, because sometimes it's not as good as it first appeared. Years ago, a young father came to me for advice. This young man had a wife. He had three little kids. He came to me and he told me that his company offered him double pay. They were going to double his pay if he would go overseas to work. Now, his schedule would be that he would be gone overseas for 30 days, and then he would be home for 30 days. And then he'd be overseas for 30 days, and then he'd be home for 30 days. And that would be his new schedule ongoing. And the pay, double pay, the pay had him convinced that he should go. I said to this young man, I said to him, I said, it's not all about the pay. It's not all about the pay. He was already making very good money. He was an engineer. It wasn't like he was struggling. It wasn't like he needed to do this in order to be able to feed his family. He was an engineer. He was making good money already. I said to him, I said, it's not all about the pay. I said, it's about what it will truly cost you. I said, you're gonna, if you do this, you're going to miss half of your kid's life. Your kids are young. Your kids are small. And if you do this, you're going to miss half of your kid's life. And I said, if you do this, your wife is going to have to do 100% of the parenting half of the time. I said to him, you've come to me for advice, so I'm giving you advice. You don't have to take my advice, but you have asked me for my advice. So here is my advice to you. I said to this young man, I said, wait until the kids are grown until you do something like this. I said, you'll still be in your early 40s when the kids are out of the house. You'll still be a young man. Don't do it now. Wait until your kids are grown before you do something like this. Well, of course, he ignored my advice, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. He ignored my advice. The money, man, double money, man. The money spoke volumes. The money got to him. Fast forward several years. I was no longer in the, at that city. He no longer lived there. Several years, he looked me up, and he made it a point to come and see me. And he came to see me, and he said to me, he said, Pastor, he said, Pastor, I wish I had listened to you. He said, going was a big mistake. What am I saying this morning? Don't fail to examine the good news because sometimes what appears to be good isn't quite as good as it appears at first. Third thing to talk about the good news this morning is this. Don't express your good news to everybody. Don't express your good news to everyone. That's the mistake that Joseph made, right? Remember the story of Joseph and that's the story and that's the mistake that Joseph made. Remember his dream? He had this dream. And in this dream, he saw his father and he saw his brothers bowing down to him that one day he would be in charge. He would be in command. One day he would be a ruler and even his own father and even his own brothers would bow down to him. And he told his brothers and he told his father about the dream. Not a good move, Joseph. Here's what you need to know. Some people aren't mature enough to handle your good news. Some people will become jealous of your good news. Some people will become intimidated by you because of your good news. Sometimes they will even begin to criticize you and sometimes they will even disassociate with you over your good news. It happened to me. Several years ago now, I was sought out by and then elected to a, to a church that was three times larger than the one that I was pastoring at the time. I had not pursued them. They had pursued me. And two things happened after I was elected to that church. First of all, a good friend, or at least I thought he was a good friend of mine, started ghosting me. Started treating me bad when he did see me. I mean, we had coffee together. We had lunch together. We played golf together. I mean, we spent time in each other's offices. We went on vacation together. We spent time together. And all of a sudden, he doesn't want anything to do with me. And when I am, when he does see me, he treats me bad. Well, later I found out that he wanted that church. He wanted that church and he was jealous of me because I got it. Second thing that happened to me was that, that, that I walked in on a couple of, uh, of other pastors at a pastor's conference. And as I walked in, I heard my name mentioned. So I stopped at the door and I listened to them as they talked about me. I didn't know I was that important to be talked about at a pastor's conference. They were talking about how I wasn't qualified to pastor a church that size. I was in my early 30s. You should have seen the look on their faces when they saw me and realized that I had heard everything they had said. May I just say they left the men's room in record speed. 
See, some people are not mature enough to handle your good news. So don't express your good news to everybody. Here's what I know. Most people can handle your bad news. Most people can handle your bad news. Very few can handle your good news. The Bible says that we should weep with those that are weeping and we should rejoice with those that are rejoicing. But I've discovered it's a whole lot easier to weep with those that are weeping than to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. I've learned that over the years. Amen. We talk about good news this morning. The fourth thing that I want to say about the good news is this. Don't allow your excitement of the good news to cause you to react too quickly. Proverbs 14 and 16 says, the wise are cautious. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. And then Proverbs 19 and verse 2 says, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Somebody said, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is Back to point two. Sometimes what appears to be good isn't quite as good as it first appeared. But sometimes it is true. But it's not time. It's true, but it's not time. See, see, God's will and his timing are two different things. Ask David. Ask Joseph. David was anointed king, but, but, but approximately 15 years transpired before he took the throne. Think about that. Think about that, being anointed king. I don't know about you, but I would be thinking, oh, man, when is this going to happen? Next week? Next month? But he was anointed king, but 15 years transpired between the time he was anointed king and the time that the crown was placed upon his head. And it was approximately 14 years between Joseph's dream and the dream actually coming about. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Maybe you have received a promise from the Lord. God has given you some good news. Perhaps, perhaps he's given you some good news about your future, but nothing has happened. In fact, things have gotten worse. That's exactly what happened to David. That's exactly what happened to Joseph. Can you even imagine what David and Joseph must have felt when, when Joseph was forgotten in the prison and, and when David was running for his life from King Saul? Year after year after year, their good news was not coming about. But God was faithful, right? God was faithful in his time. He made it happen. What God said to them, what God promised to them, what God revealed to them, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a month or a year or even in a few years. But over time and in time and in the right time, in God's time, it, God made it happen. And I'm telling you this morning that it will happen to you as well. If God has promised you something and it is truly the promise of God, I can't tell you when the promise is going to be, uh, God is going to do good on his promise, but I can tell you that God will do good on his promise. What, what he has promised, he will also fulfill in your life. I love what Paul writes in Galatians chapter six, verse nine, Paul writes, he says, don't get tired of doing what is right at just the right time. You will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. 
Yeah, if God has has truly given you a promise, he'll fulfill the promise to you, but it will be in his time. And understand this, his time is always the right time. We're talking about the good news this morning. The fifth thing that I want to say about the good news this morning is this. Don't think that the good news will exempt you from any bad news. Did God pick David to be Israel's next king? Yes, he did. That's some pretty good news. Hey, I wouldn't mind being crowned a King Mike. (laughs) Did God give Joseph a dream about becoming a great leader and being in charge and even his own brothers bowing down to him? Did God do that? That's some pretty incredible news also. I'm the baby of the family. I was the last of the litter. I'm the youngest of three brothers. I wouldn't mind my brothers bowing down to me. (laughs) But just because these two guys got some good news, that did not exempt them from any bad news. They both had more than their share of bad news that followed their good news. There's a phrase. You need to go home and read the story of Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. There's a phrase uh, that is repeated over and over and over in Joseph's story in the Bible. And the phrase is this, and the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was in the pit, but the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was in the prison, but the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Yeah, whether Joseph was in the pit or whether he was in the prison or he was in the palace, the Lord was with Joseph. And I'm telling you this morning, no matter where you're at in your life, the Lord is with you too. You may be in the pit, you may be in the prison, you may be rejoicing in the palace, but wherever you are, look around. I promise you, the Lord is with you. That's the good news. See, it's not just about our predicament. It's also about the person that's in the predicament with us. And that person's name is is Jesus. Amen. Remember the story of those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and under the bed we go? (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They love God. They serve God. They stood for God. And because of their stand for God, they were thrown into a a burning furnace of fire. Not for doing something wrong, but for doing the right thing. They were God's peeps doing God's work, but they were punished for it. But here's the point I'm making. They didn't have to go into the fiery furnace alone. Somebody was already in there waiting on them when they got in there. King Nebi, King Nebi asked his counselors, did we not cast three men into the fire? And they began to recount, yes, there was Shadrach, there was Meshach, and there was Abednego. But the king says, look, I count four men, one, two, three, four. And the form of the fourth man is as of the son of God. I'm telling you this morning, if you're walking through the fire, I'm telling you this morning, if you're walking through the valley, I'm telling you wherever you are this morning in your 
your life, God is in there with you. He was there when you got there, and he'll walk with you, and he'll take you all the way. Amen. You can have victory this morning because Jesus is on your side, and he's walking with you through your circumstances. Amen. Well, the simple truth is this, and that is life is a series of both good and bad news. But the good news is God is faithful in both. He's faithful in both. Now, let's look at the sixth and the final thing that I have to say today. My sixth statement about the good news is this. Don't allow the good news to turn you into an extremist. Let me say it like this. Don't allow the good or the bad news to turn you into an extremist. See, it's human nature to, to develop tunnel vision. Sure. Tunnel vision is to focus exclusively on a single point of view. Yes. To become narrow-minded. To close one's mind to any other thought or opinion but one's own. <laughs> we see a lot of this these days, right? Right? Yeah, we see a lot of this. Amen. You know, we have optimists and we have pessimists. Uh, There are those who can only see the bad, gloom and doom everywhere. And then there are those who can only see the good. They they look at life through rose-colored glasses. Both of these are extremes. In Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6, Paul writes about the good news of grace. How many are thankful for the good news of grace? And he writes there about the good news of grace. How wonderful grace is. How awesome grace is. He says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, he says, man, he said, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. He says, yes, look all around you and nothing but sin, 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 sin. But he says, listen, listen, yes, sin abounds. But he says, where sin abounds, grace even abounds even more. But Paul recognizes the fact that extremists could take this doctrine too far. And how many know that extremists have done that? They have taken grace too far. They've given people a license to sin through this thing called grace. And Paul recognizes the fact that extremists could take this doctrine of grace too far. And so Paul writes in chapter 6 and verse number 1, he says, So, so, man, this grace is so great, it's so abundant, it's so wonderful, it's so marvelous, it's so fabulous. So, so because of this, Paul writes, shall we keep on sinning so that grace can keep on abounding? And he answers his own questions by saying, God forbid. God forbid. Listen, we need to, be, need to be careful lest we become an extremist by developing tunnel vision. Whether we become an extremist with the good news or with the bad news. And during the pandemic, we experienced extremists on both sides of the fence, did we not? Yeah, there was extreme fear and there was extreme faith. There was extreme inclusion, there was extreme exclusion. Here's what I've come to believe. A balanced life is the best life. Would you agree with me this morning? A balanced life is the best life. You know, when I was a young pastor, you say, Pastor, wow, you started pastoring at 17. You begin preaching and say, wow, I'd love to have heard you preach back in those days. No, you would not. And I'm so glad that cassette tapes are no longer a thing. 
I can't tell you how many cassette tapes I've sold all over the country when I was traveling as an evangelist. Thank God nobody has them anymore or uses them anymore. When I was a young pastor, I preached. I preached and I preached it hard. Live on the edge. Live on the edge. In fact, I would say, I would say, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. How dumb was that? Remember the old story of the man that was going to hire a chauffeur? He's going to hire a chauffeur. So he took the applicants and he talked to them. He had three applicants and he asked these guys, he says, he says, I live up on top of the mountain and I have a very expensive car. He said, I want to know how close to the edge on the way down from the mountain you could get to that. I want, how, how close to the edge could you get, drive me? And the first one spoke up and said, man, I am a great driver. Man, I'm telling you, I could get within two feet. I could get within two feet of the edge. No problem. Other guy says, ha, ah, two feet, man. Man, mister, if you'll hire me, I'll get you within one foot of the edge. The man hiring the chauffeur looked at the third man and says, what do you say? He said, mister, I've seen your car. And I can see that you're a very wealthy and a very important man. Sir, I'd keep you as far away from that edge as I possibly could. Who you think got the job. Oh, you can live out life out on the edge if you want to, but listen, one little bitty slip and you're over the edge and it's done for. Listen, here's what I preach today. Give yourself some margin. Amen. Don't live on the edge. Move over and give yourself some margin. Amen. How many of you glad you got the older pastor than the younger pastor? Amen. Amen. The takeaway of the message this morning is this. God uses both the good news and the bad news to fulfill his purpose in our lives. Oh, I'd love to be able to stand up here and tell you today that you'll never receive any bad news, that bad news will never knock on your door, that all that you'll ever have is good news knocking on your door. I cannot tell you that. But what I can tell you is when the bad news knocks on your door, there's one that's already ready to help you walk through the bad news, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. And I can also tell you that if you'll do those four things that I encourage you to do, that good news will indeed begin to knock on your door a whole lot more often than it has in the past. Father, I thank you for, Lord, thank you for the good news this morning. Lord, this word is good news. And I thank you, Lord, that it's not all just about how to get to heaven. It's not just about heaven and hell, but Lord, it's how to live our everyday lives and how to walk out our journey with you. That's the good news that we receive from your word. God, I just pray, Lord, that you will help us today. Let your word go, uh, Lord, find the, the, the place in the hearts and in the lives uh, of the people that need to receive it today. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, amen.